Welcome to my Japanese Green Tea Podcast, a show dedicated to Japanese tea. Hosted by tea blogger Ricardo Caicedo. Welcome to episode 37 of my Japanese Green Tea Podcast. Today we will talk with Tia Sosin from the Tea Crane, and he has a new subscription service that he is funding via Kickstarter. Hello, Tia. Thanks for coming to the show. Hello, Ricardo. Thank you for taking the time for talking with me and for inviting me to your show. I'm again really happy to、um, be here and be able to speak with you about、uh, my newest project. So,、uh, what's your new project about? So, the new project is、um, it's a Kickstarter campaign that I'm using to fund an.、Um, A monthly subscription of artisan Japanese teas, teas that are not very available or very known yet、um, outside of Japan. And、um, through this, I wish to spread more knowledge and more、um, wonderful teas to the world. You currently have you sell those type of teas at the tea crane.、Uh, what will be different with with this new funding that you that you're gonna do? I have a little. A store, an online store called the Tea Crane, which I、um, started about three years ago now, in 2015. Through the Tea Crane, I can offer a variety of、um, teas for sale, but this subscription will focus more on well, sending out two to three、uh, different teas from different regions, different producers、um, each month with detailed information about their backgrounds, as opposed to the, the teas that I can offer and have in stock. Uh, for sale at the tea crane, I can offer a greater variation of、uh, different types of teas、uh, through this subscription, and it will allow subscribers to discover a greater、um, diversity of the、um, the artisan teas that are available in Japan. And what's your focus with the teas? My focus on the teas is、uh, mainly, as I say, small scale artisan tea producers. And of course, I look for people who work with organic methods, or at least if they're not organically certified,、um, do use natural methods or methods that are in line with our natural surroundings. So I'm, I'm definitely not going to look for teas that have been immensely、um, fertilized and sprayed in any kind. Although those teas too are,、um, there are good teas amongst those teas, and there are people who. Of course, favor that lush, sweet kind of flavor. But the teas that I focus on and that I describe as、um, artisan or craft teas are mostly teas that are grown in a natural way, and that also bring the、um, natural fragrances and flavors to、um, to our palate. Are those teas mostly green teas? Not only. I'm discovering a lot of、um, tea producers and、um, alternative. Teas in Japan. I've come to the conclusion that Japanese tea, in fact, is not only green tea, and that there are much that there are a lot of producers that are now also working with、um, uh, methods to produce oolong, for example, oolong tea,、um, a Japanese variation of black tea.、Um, producers are experimenting with white tea, and I'm quite confident and quite sure that over the next coming years we'll see a much greater variety of not only green teas. But also much more fragrant teas such as、um, well kamaiiri cha,、uh, oolong cha,、um, black teas, white teas, and all these kinds of teas that you'd regularly not describe as Japanese teas, but 
there's there's a lot of amazing teas amongst those um, those varieties, and I also want to shed some light on uh, on those teas. So it's not only going to be focusing on green tea, but also provide um, uh, well a, a broader view on any kind of tea that is produced in in Japan. Okay, so uh, what does the subscription service include? So the subscription service includes two to three, well, mostly three types of teas per month. I've estimated that at about, well, at least 100 grams of at least two kinds of tea. It might, it may vary. Sometimes there's more, sometimes there's a little bit less. Um, but it's going to be at least 100 grams for at least two um, kinds of tea, um, which will give you an outlook on either one certain producer, uh, one type of tea, um, one region. And on that topic, I will add in a little booklet in which I give background information about the tea itself, how it was produced, who produced it, um, where it was produced, some cultural background about the region, um, a little bit of cultural background about tea itself, and all these this kind of information that you would want to have but usually don't get. And so I call it my task to um, well, speak with the producers, find out all the information that is interesting, and combine that in a little booklet that I will send together with the teas each month. Then I will, of course, also be, since I'll be visiting the producers and um, be selecting the teas and be learning from um, being there with the producer in the tea field, I will also make videos that will be available online for um, subscribers. You also get access to me for questions and uh, and answers to your questions. And I imagine that there are a lot of producers for those type of teas, right? There are quite a lot, and I keep discovering more um, every time. In fact, I'm, um, I'm actually leaving this afternoon for a, a two-week trip through the southern part of Japan, Kyushu, where uh, together with... Um, Someone I'm working with will go and discover several producers in, in Kyushu. Not all of them are 100% organic, but making very interesting teas. And so some of the producers that I'll be meeting will also be introducing in the, uh, in the subscription. But there's, there's a lot of um, producers and that work with organic or natural methods. And um, I keep discovering new people. It's, it's interesting. The deeper you go, the more people with a concrete philosophy about their tea production you find and um, the topics you get to talk about with them is uh, are, are very interesting too and I wish to share that um, philosophy and thought with um, subscribers as well Do you think that there's uh, the demand for those type of teas in Japan is growing? Or is it mostly for the outside Japan? Um, I don't think the demand for those types of teas um, by which I mean fragrant teas so that are Oolongs and black teas is growing in Japan. There's still the um, the focus on English breakfast uh, for black teas, and usually you don't go much further. But um, what I do feel is that in Japan, the younger generation gets more interested for um, a clear taste, which you get from naturally produced teas, and also they enjoy fragrances more. So oolongs and, and fragrant black teas are much more suitable to their palates. But mainly, um, and that's also my focus at the moment with uh, with this subscription and this um, this Kickstarter campaign, I focus myself on abroad. So um, introducing these kinds of teas to people anywhere in the world. 
you call them natural teas, right? Natural teas, because not all of them are absolutely organic certified. Okay. Um, certification is, is also a problem for certain producers. And, um, of course, I want to support producers who produce their teas in an organic or in a natural way, and especially the producers who make great teas in a natural way but don't get to certify their teas because um, it is, well, it's rather expensive to get that certification. And so if I can support them in some way to also make sure that their natural teas can be labeled um, organic somewhere in the future, then I think that is a wonderful thing to be able to do. The natural green teas, is the, the method of steeping uh, different? That's a great question, actually. Um, and I think a lot of um, your listeners will be <clears throat> surprised by hearing this as well. But in fact, I never cool my water down. So you're just boiling everything like if it was a bunch of? I would basically have hot water, boiled water at 98 degrees Celsius. Yeah. And um, I would just pour it straight onto the tea and let it steep for about 40 seconds, so not, not too long. But okay. the reason why I use hot water and not cool my water down is um, if your tea is fertilized, if green tea is fertilized, the fertilization is done in order to enhance the um, amino acids. So you get a lot more umami flavor in, uh, in the tea. And the more you fertilize, the more umami you get. But also if you add amino acids to um, the leaf, then through photosynthesis, that amino acid will change into catechin and also create a possibility for your tea to get bitter. Now, most natural teas or uh, organic teas are not that strongly fertilized. Some, most of the teas that I use, actually, or that I drink and introduce, um, haven't been fertilized at all. So they haven't been given even organic fertilizer. And so they grow from their own natural accord. They develop a flavor that is clear and not too intense. But what is more, more significant about them is the fact that they have a very strong aroma. And so with a fertilized tea, um, because it has a strong amount of amino acids, you want to extract those. But it also has a strong amount of um, catechins, which make the tea bitter. So you want to suppress that. And that is why you cool your water down to about 80 degrees. But with a naturally produced tea, you don't... You don't have that many amino acids, so you don't get that much umami flavor. And if you cool your water down, you won't get that much of flavor from it. So what you want to focus on with most natural teas is fragrance, aroma. And so by brewing your tea as hot as possible, you get the best aromas out of it. And because it hasn't been fertilized as much. Now, I can't say that for all organic teas, but for most of the teas that I drink, um, they aren't fertilized as much. And so that means that they're amino acid value hasn't been enhanced that much. It also doesn't create that many catechins, so it doesn't really get bitter. And how about the, the oolong? So, uh, do you brew them in the Chinese style? Um, I'm, I'm definitely not brewing them according to a ceremony style. Um, I do have gaiwan in my home, <laughs> and um, I keep on going for 10 to 11 steeps with most of them. Short steepings but I would also brew them with strictly hot water. Now, what I don't do with Japanese oolongs is um, to throw away the first steep. Okay. Oolongs get mo more delicious from the second steep on, and that's the case with, with um, Japanese oolongs as well. But Japanese oolongs, most of them are quite green still. So they're not like mainland Chinese oolongs that are quite brown. 
quite dark, um, but they're more like um, high mountain oolongs from uh, from Taiwan that are still quite light in oxidation and very close to um, green tea with just an added floral fragrance. Okay, I imagine that for the natural teas, are they also using tea plants that are brought from tea seeds instead of being clones? Um, very interesting question, yes. There are several producers that work with um, strictly native cultivars, and native cultivar is a cultivar that has been around for, well, as long as um, as we know, and has been reproduced from seeds in a natural way, and mostly they're there from before cultivars have been invented. Cultivars have been invented or uh, have come into creation about 60 to 70 years ago. Cultivars are, well, cloned species, but uh, native cultivars have been here from before cultivars even um, were mentioned. And so a lot of uh, natural producers turn to native cultivars because native cultivars are most natural. And some producers actually try to take, well, grow their own seeds and then make a new tea field from seeds. There's one producer I work together with. He started a very interesting new project. He has taken cultivars and is growing seeds from cultivars. And usually if you plant seeds from a cultivar, they would return to their ancestral state and they become somewhat a different species. So they don't maintain the same specifications as that cultivar is known for. Um, but what he's trying to do is he's going to recreate an entire tea field of that cultivar from seed. It's a crazy project, but... What he has done, he's planted eight to ten seeds of one certain cultivar in one select spot and has done that for the entire row of bushes. And now it's been two years um, since he's planted them. And now he's selecting out the plants that don't look like that cultivar at all. And he's keeping the ones in that look as close as possible to that cultivar. So he's um, he plants eight or ten plants in one spot and then selects them out to keep the one plant that is um, is most close, well, is closest to the original cultivar. And so there's natural producers that do try to um, work with seeds with, in natural ways. And um, what that producer has also informed me of is that if a tea bush is grown from seed, it is most strong and um, it gets most vitality. Reason being is if you reproduce a cultivar, you do that with cuttings. And so you cut pieces of a branch and then make sure that that branch starts to root again. But if you use a branch and a branch catches roots, those roots too will branch out because the branch is, is, is just a branch. And so roots will branch out to the sides. Whereas if you work with a seed and plant a bush from a seed, it will first have an upward direction to create a stem and a downward push to create um, the initial roots. And only then it will start to branch out. So that means that if you have a downward push initially from uh, from the seed with the roots, uh, the roots will go deeper. And so they will get more nutrition from the deeper parts of the soil. Whereas if you reproduce a cultivar from cuttings, you will only stay in the shallow surface and only get what is available in the shallow surface. And most often, those plants become reliant on fertilizer, artificial fertilizer. Yeah, I've heard that the 
the seeds from tea seeds are they have much more vitality. Yes, that is what I what I hear from uh, from most producers as well. Now the flip side is that if you produce a tea field, if you create a tea field from seeds, um, it is not as easy to work with because each plant has slightly different specifications, which means that the leaf grows quicker or uh, slower as compared to the other bushes, or they don't grow as high or the other one grows higher, or the color is slightly different, or the size of the leaf is slightly different. And so you can't really successfully use um, large machines on such a field because you have to continue adjusting your um, where you're cutting. So it's not not as friendly on the producer, but it creates a natural flavor. And so a lot of um, industrial producers, they, of course, favor um, ease of labor. And that is why most of them also um, rely on cultivars. And do natural teas, do they have a much higher price or, or it's not that extreme? Um, as compared to what? If you compare it to an industrially, industrially produced tea that you can find in the supermarket, then yes, they are at a higher price. But if you compare them to a quality sencha or a quality gyokuro, quality green tea that you could get from a respected tea store in uh, in Uji, for example, then I would say that quality-wise and um, compared on the joy you get from either tea, they're quite comparable in price. Oh, that's good. You're in a higher range. You're in a higher um, area of quality. Yeah. But comparable, I think they're comparable in price. Why would you suggest that people uh, support your subscription service? What are the um, advantages of it? The advantages of the subscription is, one, it supports the producers that um, produce these teas. Having the subscription and um, being able to share these teas with a lot of people will not only allow me to support those producers, but it will also allow me to show that there is an interest and a demand for natural and organically produced teas. And it might open the eyes of uh, some people in Japan, perhaps people within um, the government as well, that it is necessary to also look at natural um, or organic methods and to perhaps provide a sort of uh, support for that. As well as within Japan, the uh, demand for organic products is not that high yet. And by showing that there's a big demand and interest in this kind of tea outside of Japan, I may also change um, in Japan the uh, the interest in this, this type of product. And it also allows me to go and look for more uh, more producers and to find more information about these teas so that I can share more information with um, subscribers and with, with anyone who basically has an interest in learning more about Japanese tea and what Japanese can, what Japanese tea can be. And so one goal and one aim that I have after this project concludes and um, after I'm, well, while I'm working on the, on the subscription each month is to also publish a book about uh, Japanese tea, but mostly focused on artisan and craft teas to make um, the information about... We've been talking about roots, and I can talk just as long about soil and about 
well, seeds versus um, versus clones. And this information generally doesn't really get out in English or isn't as readily available or not at least uh, in as much detail. And so I want to create a book in which I in, um, interview producers, get information from them and add in my own information and introduce a broader idea, a broader understanding of what Japanese tea can be. Sounds like so that a is great another idea. Thing that, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So that's another thing that I also want to um, want to work on, and that this um, this project in specific is is going to help me um, do. So anyone who who backs the um, the Kickstarter campaign helps me to do more to promote and to discover organic and natural teas, um, artisan teas, and of course, what other advantages do you have? You basically get great tea sent to your house each month with detailed information. I think that's a great advantage too. And the, the subscription service is uh, month to month or do you pay a year in advance or how, how does that work? Currently on the Kickstarter page, I have several options. You can select a one-off. Um, so you just get the first month. After that, um, you'll of course have to resubscribe and then uh, I will have several options where you can choose. Currently I'm thinking of doing you either pay monthly or you can choose to um, subscribe quarterly or every six months. And, of course, the longer the term, uh, it gets cheaper. the term is longer, it gets a little cheaper. So Okay. And what, do you have any future plans uh, besides uh, this Kickstarter regarding tea? Um, yes. For me, the subscription service, in fact, is, uh, is only the beginning. Getting the uh, subscription funded is one start. But of course, I want to introduce tea with as many people possible and um, as broadly as possible in the world. And so um, I want to keep on growing this uh, Kickstarter campaign as well so that I can also, also use additional funds for the uh, the book project that I just spoke about. And I also want to open a tea bar, a place where you can come and enjoy Japanese tea from all over Japan in Kyoto. And um, I want to create that into a, a, a hub for tea lovers from all over the world so that anyone who wants to enjoy or knows um, about Japanese tea can come to that um, that hub in Kyoto. That's very interesting in Kyoto, actually, because uh, most tea stores in Kyoto sell Kyoto tea. They say we sell Japanese tea, but it's in fact only Kyoto tea that they use. So it's all tea from Uji. And there's not really a place where you can enjoy tea from all over Japan. So that project, that part of the project is what I think going to be the um, the key to also make the broad variety of Japanese tea known to uh, a Japanese audience as well. So that's that's one other project I'm working on. And very exciting. I'd yes. Like, I'd like to go visit. I'd be very happy to be able to drink tea with you over the bar counter. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the, um, the idea where I'm headed. And of course, I mustn't forget tea ceremony. Besides their normal tea, is there natural matcha? Yes, there is. I keep on looking for matcha, good matcha that is suitable for tea ceremony. And um, I, up till now, what I what I define as quality is a, a tea that is suitable and is not too bitter when you drink it as thick tea, koicha. And up till now, I have only found two natural or organically produced matchas that are suitable for uh, koicha. 
Now, there's a lot of different matchas that are suitable for thin tea, which are amazingly good. And um, most of them, I find, are not as lush in flavor or as thick in um, in flavor, but they're more of an easy drinker. They have a lot of uh, they have a lot of flavor, a lot of aroma too, amazingly, and um, they drink really easily. It's almost as a, as if um, your body tells you, "Yes, I want this. I want more." <laughs> Whereas sometimes with um, with standard matcha, you could have that the amino acid, the value of amino acids, um, so the, the umami value is too high and it becomes quite heavy when you drink it and you can't have much of it. But with naturally produced matches, I, I feel I can just keep on drinking them all day. Okay, so I guess we run out of time, but thank you very much for, for your time and I wish you much success with your projects. Thank you, Ricardo. I think I may have talked a little bit too much, but I'm, I'm just really excited about uh, about doing this. Uh, I, I hope that um, anyone who's listening gets uh, gets just as excited as uh, as I am. Okay, thank you very much, and hope to see you again when I visit Japan. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to my Japanese green tea podcast. Join us again next time 